Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul. Shrink to expand your life with another episode. And joining me today is Elisa Hayes. Elisa is a leadership expert and trainer. She's a speaker. She is the president right now of the Northwest chapter of the Amer- of the uh, National Speakers Association, which is the context in which I've gotten to know you a little bit, Elisa. I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Thank you, Dr. Paul. I am super excited to be here. You talk about leadership. Now, a lot of people do. Right. You've got kind of a unique approach to this because of your experience and your story and who you are. Would you introduce yourself a bit to our audience just by sharing your story and and give us uh, the context around our conversation today? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I owned a uh, entertainment company that toured internationally and we did essentially a one woman show that Mm. involved getting kids up in front of an audience of people. So within 15 minutes, we would recruit a cast of about 20 kids, put costumes on them, give them very brief instructions. And the whole point was to build kids' confidence and self-esteem in front of an audience of people and to get parents to actually engage, use their imagination, play with kids, and stop watching their children through their cell phone. So we worked with about 30,000 kids a year. I had a team of people, staff, people who I trained how to do this. uh, And of course, I did it myself. I had that company for about 15 years. And then the big dramatic turn in my life and my business as an entrepreneur and as a leader, I had done, of course, lots of, lots of reading and lots of trying to be a good leader in my company, but it all came down to March 1st, 2014, when I was on my way with two employees, I'll give you the super short version, mm-hmm. on our way to... Uh, the Houston Livestock Show in and Rodeo from my home. As you mentioned, I'm from the Northwest, so I live just south of Seattle. That's a very long drive from there to Houston. And yeah, right, yeah, uh, 1,800 miles is what it is. Long haul. Wow. Yeah. So we uh, got about an hour south of Wichita. We were in Oklahoma. I'm driving a three-quarter ton F-250 pickup truck with a camper on it, big rig, pulling a, a dual axle trailer behind it. If we've got any uh, mm-hmm. farm folks out there who are like, ooh, trailers. Um, yeah. So we were headed down a two-lane highway, I-35 in Oklahoma. Everything was going cool. It was snowing, though, and the, and the weather was super cold. It was about five degrees outside. Um, we hit black ice. The trailer slid out and everything went sideways. I, I talked to people about, have you ever experienced a time in your life when things have just gone completely sideways? Sideways. Mm. It, right. And it did. It went literally sideways. And I'm, I, and not to brag, but I'm really good at driving trucks and trailers and driving in the winter. But unfortunately, with only two lanes of highway, I couldn't recover this. We slid and slammed the front corner of this F-250 
into the guardrail and were stuck jackknifed on the highway, blocking most of the highway. Mm -hmm. And nothing I could do in those split seconds would move that rig. One of the things I talk about is that in that moment with two 21-year-old employees in that truck, when I looked in the rearview mirror and saw the headlights of a semi coming and knew it was going to hit us within seconds, I got a crash course in what leadership really means. And so I ultimately, my, my choice, I was actually the closest person sitting to safety. It was about six feet outside my window on the side of the road. But I had two young women in this truck. The, the highest priority was to get them out and get them to safety first. And the most frightening part of that is that in a Ford F-250, the person sitting in the back seat has suicide doors, which means somebody has to let them out. So I had screamed to the girls to get out and run on the highway. Uh, the girl in the front let got out and then I waited because I was not going to get out and run until I knew that until she was safe. That the, right, that the girl in the back seat, whose whose name is Joy, that she was able to get out. Yes, uh, and that was my highest priority. Everything they say is true. Your life does flash before your eyes. My children, my three kids, my husband all flashed through my mind. And yet I was responsible for these young women. So both of the girls got out. They did make it to safety. That's the question everybody wants to know. Were they okay? (laughs) They Mm. did make it safely to the side of the road. Meanwhile, um, we were hit first by a semi-truck that managed to pull pretty far to the right and hit the trailer And then a Toyota Sequoia full-size SUV hit the back end of the pickup truck, sending everything spinning. And in the middle of all of this, I was trying to get out and run. I managed to get out of my pickup and start running for the side of the road. And a third vehicle, a semi going 65 miles an hour on cruise control, hit my body outside of the vehicle on the run. It hit you. hit me personally, yes, on the left side of my body. And it sent me flying 90 feet through the air. I was impaled on a cable guardrail and still conscious. Oh, wow. I know, that gruesome, awful, uh, right? So, um, and actually the the girl whose life, who was sitting in the back seat, uh, she was the one who was with me there as I was on the guardrail, which was phenomenal. Um, I ended up, Spending seven weeks in an ICU in Wichita, mm-hmm. Kansas, which was the nearest trauma one center. When I had arrived at the hospital, I was essentially dead. I had a heartbeat of six beats a minute, wasn't breathing, no pulse discernible anywhere, eyes fixed and dilated, and blood was pouring out of my wide open left side. Oh, wow. It, right. It, it was it was crazy. And of course, my family is 1,800 miles away. And yes. And I'm at a hospital in a nice storm. So they were scrambling to get there. Altogether, in the long story short, it took seven hospitals in four states spanning coast to coast and my brother's kidney in order to save my life. Wow. And through all of that, amazingly, my company continued to run and fulfilled all of the contracts. Even those two girls who were in the truck went back to work for my company. Wow. Everybody stepped up. People came from all over North America. Colleagues of mine flew into Houston to actually keep the show going. Like the show must go on. My client said, absolutely. We will do anything we can 
to help make sure this continues. And I don't think it's just because they felt sorry for me because I've seen other people get in horrible accidents. We had, after seven weeks in the ICU, when I was stable enough to be transferred to another hospital closer to home, mm-hmm. our insurance didn't cover the $30,000 medical Learjet flight. And at the end, right, of course, right. It's like and they wanted my husband to continue living on unpaid leave in a hotel across the street while my parents were in charge of our three kids. Um, it, yeah. Right. It, insurance thought that was a great idea. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so um, the other part of that is, is that people came together from all over North America and over $54,000 was donated in less than two weeks to a GoFundMe to fly me home. Uh, wow. Right. And so I got to examining through all this, and this is the tide of the leadership. Why in the world what what was it that worked so well what in all of that yes and i i altogether i've spent about a year bedridden so i've had a lot of time to think about this mhm <laughs> lots of time to lay around and think oh elisa i it, wow i mean it's just mind blowing the kind of experience you've been through and you're not alone you said that you know other people who have been through Horrible things, right? All kinds of stuff, right? Absolutely. The thing that's powerful about it is what it teaches us. And you've noticed some things through this experience. Now you're tying it back into leadership. What is it that works? What is it that motivates a positive direction? You know, regardless of the circumstances, but what brings us back to a positive, powerful, direction. Absolutely. Well, you know, the interesting, I studied as an actor my whole life. I've been on stage since I was four years old and was a professional actor. One of the terms that's used in, for actors is called outward directed focus, which is, in other words, getting out of your own head. So in that moment, sitting at the wheel of my truck, my focus was on these two young women. I, I talk about putting others first. The reason we get negative, the reason we get all wrapped up in the pity party mm-hmm. is that we're stuck in our own heads and we're not being of service to other people. We're not willing to take the hit for other people, preferably not literally. And uh-huh. we, we go into a self-preservation mode, whether it is sitting in a business meeting when somebody's got to take the hit for something that's gone wrong or mm-hmm. whether it's sitting in a truck and you've got to put people's lives first. The dynamics around that are the same. Yes. The, the important part is, is putting people first other than ourselves. And when, and when we do that, and when that is our focus, it is astounding how people will come from all directions to support that. It creates a magnetic leadership because people want to follow you. They want to be with you because they know you've got their back. Right. You use the word empathy mm-hmm. in your leadership training and mm-hmm. how that, that fuels leadership, how that, that creates a powerful presence. And I can think of a lot of psychological reasons why that's true, you know, with everything that I know about interpersonal dynamics and, and whatnot. Our focus tends to be either on ourselves 
or on other people. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it is so natural for us to just, you know, focus on number one, Mm -hmm. take care of number one. The best way that, that I've found to take care of number one is to get our focus on other people. I'm hearing that from your story also, because even though you put yourself in harm's way, perhaps by looking out for the safety of these two young women in your vehicle, ultimately it has enhanced and enriched your life and your power as a leader. So, I think it's one of the sweetest compensations in life that the best way to get what we want is to help other people get what they want. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's some phenomenal things. My husband in the hospital, he watched these ICU nurses working under extreme stressful situations with families. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's, my husband's one of my many, many heroes in, in all of this story, Mm -hmm. but he, he determined very quickly within the first two days that he would do everything he could to focus his attention on the nurses and the people coming in to care for me and to create an environment in which they felt somebody cared and was interested in them. So why would he do that while his wife is fighting for her life in a hospital bed? Most people would never think that way. But what he said to me is that he realized that if he did that, I would get the very best healthcare possible because people would come to my room and they would want to hang out there. The nurses would spend more time in my room if he was talking to them about, you know, hey, how's that knee going that's been bothering you? Or, oh, I heard you're getting married. Tell me about your fiance. And he wasn't being faking. That's That's the important part. It has to be genuine. It has to be real. And because of that, to this day, we're still good friends with all nurses who cared for me. And you got excellent care in and the process. Exactly. I mean, not that they would have ignored me, but but you have to believe that it really did improve the level of of in of focus and intention. Yes. There's a lot of reasons for that too. I think as we come back from this break, Elisa, we can dive into some of the other specific applications that you've learned through this experience. Everyone, this is Elisa Hayes at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, Live On Purpose family. I know you're a fan of personal development, and that's why you're here on the podcast. Something else that I think you would really like is Live On Purpose TV. Come on over to youtube.com forward slash Live On Purpose TV, where you will find daily episodes that are all geared toward powering up your personal development program. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And we're back. Elisa Hayes at Live On Purpose Radio. Elisa, wow, amazing experience that you have. I say amazing. Okay, painful life-changing. You ended up as an amputee, and that's a whole other story. Right. (laughs) Um, But through all of that, you've been able to glean some powerful leadership lessons, life lessons. And before the break, as we got into this concept, 
that seems paradoxical at first. The best way to get what you want is to help other people get what they want and let that empathy or that focus on other people drive your leadership, your interactions with people. It, it elevates not only them, but it elevates you in the process. I'm thinking that when you do your leadership trainings, you provide all kinds of tools and practical strategies to apply this. What comes to mind for you, Elisa, is something that is immediately applicable from what you've learned. Right. Well, I when I when I speak with groups and when I do my trainings and I do deeper dives into things, I talk about four key principles that I identified during all of that time contemplating. Okay. And, right. And and the first one which we talked about is to is I I talk about leaders act with courage and that is the courage to put others first, to be the one willing to put your take the hit. Uh-huh. Uh, and and so for example, I just spoke to the Adult Family Home Council here recently, spoke to a group, and I got an email back from my client saying, I just want you to know, here's what I've heard, that several people at that convention who own and operate adult family homes were talking about that they were going to get out of doing it. It's hard work. And they were going to sell and sell their business and stop doing it. And after hearing me and hearing these principles, they changed their mind. They, yeah, completely wow. changed their business trajectory, which, wow, touched my heart hugely. And yes. that they were going to continue doing what they were doing because they felt like they had the tools in order to be able to move forward. And mm-hmm. so there's that first key that sets up that principle, but it's then it's, all right, how do you do that? And then I go on and I talk about how you have to act with comedy. You have to be able to get a laugh from people because people, you and I are having a great time in this conversation and people mm-hmm. want to follow and be around people who are positive, who are fun, who can make the culture and the environment uh, a place that they look forward to going to work at. And it's the Mm. responsibility of the leadership in order to create that culture and to use a $5 word, inculcate that within their whole team. Um, Then after that, I talk about people have to work with creativity because leaders have to be innovative and, and come with creative solutions. As you mentioned, of course, I'm an amputee, um, and that is a whole other story, but um, I make jokes about it all the time, and I've had to get super creative in how I operate my life, uh, right. How, I, right, how I navigate things, and, and so does every leader who ever needs to solve a problem, which is every single leader <laughs> constantly solving problems. You know what, Elisa? I, I, there's a couple of comments that I'm yes. I know you've got one more point to share. Oh, absolutely. Um, you're doing a beautiful job illuminating the obvious, which is something that I love to do as a psychologist too, because there are obvious things that go unnoticed until they're called to your attention. When you were talking about comedy, uh, it, it occurred to me, yes, I <laughs> love to be around people who make me laugh, mm-hmm. make me smile, who are positive, who keep the mood elevated, especially when we're working on tough things. Mm-hmm. And then it's, and so if I resonate to that, doesn't it make sense that other people are probably going to be drawn to that as well? And 
So you've illuminated the obvious there, and then you moved on to creativity. The only reason we need leaders is to be creative about solving stuff that surprised us. Absolutely. That's why we need them in the first place. Right. Just a comment. There. No, it's it, and you're absolutely right because otherwise we could hand a team here's your list of tasks do this 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 and we'll meet our goals. Yeah, Except do what's always been done in the ways that we've always done it and you're good. Right, blah blah blah, and that doesn't create a powerful innovative organization that is really driving change. But if you try to drive change by just we've we've got our five year plan and we've set up our metrics and we got to hit these numbers, people nobody looks forward to that. Nobody's thinking, oh, that, yeah, I, I really want to do that. And then all that leaves you is to motivate people by paycheck. That's all you got. And in this economy and at, with some of the lowest unemployment rates we have ever had, you cannot attract and retain people in that kind of environment. You have right. to have an inv- a, a human-centered environment which, and this is why I focus on empathy, because unless you look at and understand people and can sort of get your head inside their experience, you have no ability to really motivate and retain people where they feel like you care about them. And people will run through fire for you if, if they think that, you, that you're a family, that you've got this culture of we are all in this together. And the way you do that is by being the one who'll take the head and, and being funny and creating this positive energetic environment and being creative. And when you create that creative environment and people know that you've got their back, they have the ability and the willingness to take risks. So one of the things that I share with people in order to be creative is really simple. You ask the question, what if? And you use that in a positive way because too often we say, what if, and we're spinning out into all this negative. Into anxiety. Right. Instead of dreaming of the possible. Right. What if, and one of the training exercises that I do and anybody out there who's listening can use this exact same thing. You're facing a problem and you say, this works great if you're working in a team of people. One person presents the problem and people will present a possible solution, just brainstorming. What if, and they'll throw stuff out. But the game is you can only answer saying yes and an improv, basic improv rule number one, right? And so instead of going, well, we can't do that. We've always done it this way. No, we can't, blah, blah, blah. I was just with a group in Wyoming teaching these principles. And then when I was done working with them and I was actually sitting in the back of the room just drinking coffee and listening to them talk in a round table about a problem that they were working with. Oh, it was awesome to see these principles actually being acted upon in that meeting, in that moment. It was phenomenal to see. Right. Changes the energy. I've, I do the same thing with my clients occasionally where we'll play the yeah, but game mm-hmm. and then switch it over to yes. And mm-hmm. changes the whole thing. Right. Tool. Right, right, right. Let me and, see if I'm tracking all of this. Yeah. Lisa. You mentioned Courage, comedy, creativity. Did, mm-hmm. was, there, was there another one I missed? Yep. There's the fourth one, which is compassion, of oh, course. Yes. Compassion. And, you know, compassion and empathy are very different things. People get them confused all the time. Compassion is, is a desire to help. And 
Right. Right. And the, the problem is, is that people, they get so focused on their task. They've, they need to do their thing Mm -hmm. and get X, Y, Z task done that they're not really able to be helpful. And the way you're helpful is by focusing on the feelings of another person, because we as human beings, and you know this better than anybody, we as human beings, we don't actually act from our intellect. We like to think we do, but we're so often, we are just driven by those underlying emotions and feelings that are happening. Absolutely. Right. And I tell people these four things, the comedy, you know, courage, comedy, creativity, and compassion, they actually come in order for a reason. Mm. And I teach them and tell them in that order for a reason, because you're never going to get to the compassion piece if you don't have the courage piece to begin with. If you don't have the... Yeah. Right? Good point. You won't even show up. No. Exactly. Exactly. So, and the, and the, in, in, the, in the workplace, one of the stories I, I tell is a circumstance that happened with a barista, and I was actually at an NSA convention mm-hmm. uh, flying when we were in Phoenix, and in the Phoenix airport, I was and I was flying home. I'd gone to buy order a cup of coffee. I was in my wheelchair. And so I had a very specific coffee order, which is I wanted an ice grande coffee, but put in a vente cup, double cupped, so that I could stick it between my knees and not end up with coffee all over my lap. Right. <laughs> right? Somehow and, you've learned from your experiences. Right. Exactly. And that gotcha. was my creative solution to how to have coffee. And since I didn't have a cup holder on my wheelchair, I do now. <laughs> but uh, so, um, and through the whole story, and it's comical, and people can see, they can actually go to my YouTube channel and see a video I made that got sent to Starbucks and went minor vi- viral about this. And I've now become good friends with Ike, who is the regional director of Starbucks in that area. And I've worked with him and, and done some creative work for them yeah. and also uh, had coffee with him in that exact same Starbucks at another time I was flying through Phoenix. Nice. And the whole point that I was making when I had difficulty getting my coffee and getting the coffee order right was that the barista was under the mistaken impression that her job was to make coffee. Mm. And it's not. Her job was to focus on the person and focus on the feelings of the person. So what does it feel like to be in a wheelchair trying to order coffee? And what does it feel like to be able to try and manage getting around when you need to use your hands in order to be mobile? So what do you hold your coffee with? What, what does that feel like? Mm-hmm. And it, when you do that, you accomplish the tasks much better. And you know what tasks to do and how to do it. You don't have to work so hard trying. It's like if she focused on the feeling, she would have come to the same conclusion that I did. Well, it needs to be double cupped because the cups are soft and you're going to squeeze it with your knees. She would come to the exact same conclusions because I don't think I'm that smart. All she has to do is focus on what does it feel like to try and have coffee in a wheelchair. Right. Compassion also implies Kindness. You said the willingness to serve and the the desire to to serve. And there's a kindness element too. Oh, absolutely. And don't don't we need more of that just everywhere? Mm. Oh my gosh. And I through this whole experience of mine and having like I, I remember laying in a hospital bed and there's absolutely nothing anybody else could do. I I was there on life support. 
mm-hmm. looking at my family. And yet I felt empathy from them. And I felt kindness from people all around me. And we talk about empathy as the ability to feel what another person can feel, but that's not it. It's wrong. That's a completely wrong definition. Empathy is the ability to be with someone in their experience, to just be present with them in their experience. And when you open yourself to that and you're fully present without your head spinning out in a million other directions, you're just with them. Right. It opens up your ability to communicate better, your, your ability to be kind because it opens your heart. It opens up your ability to come up with good solutions for them mm-hmm. because it changes your lens. That's the impact of empathy. Yes. Beautiful. Elisa, how can people find you? I'm sure that some of our listeners may want to connect or, or invite you to their event where you will do an amazing keynote for them <laughs> or leadership training. What's the best way for them to find you? They can find me at elisahays.com. It's E-L-I-S-A-H-A-Y-S.com. That is the easiest way. And that's where they can learn a little more about the whole story behind the amputee thing, because that's kind of funny. It, it is funny. And in, in, I'm glad that you have made it kind of funny. Because, <laughs> oh man, when the tragedies of life happen, we, we're either going to cry or laugh. And we're probably going to do a little of both. Mm-hmm. But uh, making sure that we handle it according to the principles you've illuminated today, it's... Uh, It's brilliant. Thank you, Elisa, for your contributions today. Thank you so much. Everybody, you've heard it from Elisa Hayes. Now it's time for you to live on purpose. Purpose.